Hello and welcome again to How We're Putting Two and Two Together, a segment where we interview the cast and crew of Putting Two and Two Together. Today, my special guest is Samuel Burbell, who plays Max. Well, welcome, Sam. Thank you for having me. So let's start right off the bat. You definitely have the most um, unique perspective as one of my cast members. Uh, <laughs> would you agree? That's a way of putting it. A way of yeah. putting it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what is, it's, what is, it, no, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a strange situation of I came in from the writer's side perspective of you were bringing this into Dell's class for yeah. critiques and for notes and for suggestions on how to touch it up or on what was working and what wasn't. And I went from giving those critiques and those feedbacks, trying to read into the story and help polish it to suddenly being a part of it a few months later down the line. Yeah. Uh, filling in a, the few blanks here, you know, in class, uh, whenever, you know, I tended to bring a, uh, some of our cast members in, but for the longest time, uh, Adam Haru, who plays David, uh, was not available. So, uh, Sam here was uh, basically reading for David, and in your performance, I basically realized, okay, I want to use him at some point. I don't know what I'm going to use him for. I think we even had that conversation where I where yeah, there there was that kind of introductory conversation of, hey, if a role opens up, are you interested in general? And I was like, I have no idea where you'd slot me in for all of this because it sounds like you've got actors for all these already. But if something does come up, sure, I'd be happy to. I don't care. And as we were getting closer to season three, uh, Tom Kelleher, who basically had played the role of Max in season two, we had realized he was not going to be available for this project. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I need a new Max. Sam can play Max. I know he can do it. Is he going to be interested? <laughs> and, you know, and so here we, here we are with that. Which is extra humorous because now this is the, what that was the second time that Max had been recast? Yes. The, if you want to get technical, it was actually the third time. <laughs> um, before we started production on season one, we had an actor playing Max. Uh, who He was actually... Eric is the husband of uh, Rachel Rabinovitz, who plays Haley. So it was an interesting mm. pair to have the two of the, you know, Eric and Rachel having uh, playing you know Max and Haley. But yes, he, but he was not available to do the project, um, or at least where, when we were going to be recording season one. So I hired Nick Mann, who uh, who pl voiced Max for season one. But he did not uh, go ahead for season two, so I recast the role of Max with Tom for season two. And then Tom's not available for season three. Okay, let's do it this way. And, and we figured, all right, all right, so, so, so Max is – we're just going to have this running joke that Max's voice keeps changing. Um, but when we got into the uh, recording process, uh, how long were we in the process before we realized, okay, Max is going to be Max for the whole thing? Oh, it was at least like – four or five sessions in when we recorded at least like half of what you had for season three, I think mm -hmm. before you finally said, okay, let's, let's go back and do the re-recordings for seasons two and season one as well. You know, and I agonize over this decision. It wasn't, an, it wasn't something I made lightly, but as no, I, it's not an easy decision to make one way or another. Yeah. And, and, and basically the way I was looking at it, the, it was more of the characterization and I'm, and, and I, and I'm going to date myself by making this analogy but going back to Bewitched, you know, where you had the two Darrens or whatever. And uh, um, so you had 
Dick York, who originated the role and played it a particular way. And then you had Dick Sargent, who took over the role and played it a much more subdued way, and which was fine. It was an evolution of the character. But the way that they're listening to the recordings back to back to back of the ma- different Maxes, it was as, you know, your Max was like taking Dick York back to play Dick Sargent. <laughs> so, and it was, and it just sounded weird. And the, and that's when I made the decision, okay, let's just have one Max throughout, you know, especially the other part of it is that when I was doing the upgrades, mm. a lot of the season two dialogue needed to be recorded and Tom's dialogue for Max was one of those. So I could not get Tom back to record his dialogue for season two, yeah. which meant that I was going to have you record season two anyway. And if I'm going to have you record season two, then I might as well have you record season one. Which, I mean, I, I fully respect all the work that these other actors have put into this role. and it's, Exactly. Like, it's a lot of work to put into this. And it's like, I, I'm sure that they would not... I don't know how they would feel about being replaced. That's a weird way to phrase that, but it's like they're they're not being replaced. Yeah. The work that they've done on this is still very valuable, and the things that they brought to this character are still important. Because as we were going through, like I was still listening. Well, that was kind of a topic of contention. Of I didn't want to listen too much to what the previous actors had they done did before, exactly, because I didn't want to just try and repeat what they were doing. So I was. It was. It was a topic of contention. I'm. I'm. Hmm. I've never been quite sure how I feel about it, but that is your decision ultimately as the creator. Yeah. And to a lesser degree, I did that same thing to myself Mm -hmm. um, because in season one, before I joined the cast as Jason, I was the, the voice of the credits Mm -hmm. and I did, and that carried over into part of season zero as well. And then I joined the cast in season two, and it didn't make sense that Jason is narrating mm. because he's not the he's not the through point character. Yeah, and so I made the decision. All right, well, I had already gotten Len Kaplan to do the, the to do the credits for for season two and going and going beyond. Mm-hmm. It only made sense to have him replace me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, not a decision I made lightly. You know, no, but. For the for the purposes of the piece, that I did that to myself, so I can at least know how it felt for a previous actor yeah. being replaced in that same way. Mm-hmm. It's tricky, and I don't want to step on any feet. And I and I and again, I appreciate anything anyone had done previously. Right. But that being said, we had you go back and re-record seasons one and two mm-hmm. by turning off the old Max tracks. And have you react in real time mm-hmm. to stuff that had been recorded before? How did that feel for you? It's so surreal to have all of this just kind of existing already. To sound like it sounds like the conversation's already going on around you, and to just try and fill in, jump into these moments. There were always a few moments where I didn't quite get the timing of a line right, and I would either hear the next track come in. Or I would start too early and there'd just be like this long pause of silence. I'm like, well, all right, for the next take, I know exactly how long I need to take for that one. But it's still, but it, it's interesting to hear all of this kind of back and forth and being able to slide into it and trying to have that unique challenge of what do I need to do to fit myself in perfectly with all of this established dialogue that's going on. 
Yeah, I mean, that being said, you know, being on a multi-track system, I can adjust the timing as needed. So, you know, it wasn't as much of a worry as you are making it out to no, be. No, it's not. But, but I get worried about it. My, my brain's like, oh, oh, no. Oh, crap. Oh, God. But from my perspective, you know, it was wonderful. You know, I mean, I knew that you were going to be able to pull this off. But the just immediate justification that I would hear as I'm listening to you with the established thing, you know, as if you had been there the whole time. Uh, I mean, and, and I think part of that is just this whole process of, you know, being able to take dialogue that's been recorded at separate times. Uh, I mean, a lot of our crowd scenes th- this coming season. Um, oh, yeah. Eight people, eight, eight people in the group. Eight people recorded separately. Mm-hmm. Yet, if I listen to the final production... Uh, particularly with some ad libs that we've been adding in um, in the process, uh, it feels like we were all there the same time. Yeah, no, especially that, when we're talking when when we're talking over each other. Exactly. That that's one of the most exciting parts of hearing those is like at some point if I just kind of close my eyes and stop looking at it if I have the lines down well enough, I forget that there aren't other people on the call because I'm just I know that people would know their lines if they were there in person. So I'm like, all right, this person's going to say this, this person's going to say this. I know the timing for this, so I'm going to get my line here. And oh, yep, there they are. All right, I was waiting for you. Perfect. It's just, it's mind boggling how well it all just kind of sews together. You know, there is, a, there is an early, I think it's the second episode, mm-hmm. um, where the two of us plus a bunch of uh, others are at Hot Off the Press, and uh, we get get into this whole argument about this piece of furniture that, oh, that gets brought in yes the couch and and uh this just whole argument goes on from different viewpoints the argument is building and then suddenly it fades into the background and david and tommy are talking over it but if you listen closely you can still hear this <laughs> argument going on f- with people that never were in the studio at the same time <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like they are battling to death over this stupid couch. Which they should because that couch is an abomination. But I I agree with you, but <laughs> I'm not the one who brought it in. <laughs> well, I, I wrote it in, but I did but, but Jason you had are, nothing to do. If we want to get technical yeah, about but, it, you're the one who created the couch, yeah. which is its own evil. I meant I, Jason, had nothing to do with it. Okay, not fair. I, the writer, had anything no, to do with fair. it. No, that's fair. That's fair. I understand. So Mm. Now that you are Max all along, mm. what's your take on Max's evolution over the past three seasons? It's an interesting progression because kind of in the beginning, he seems a little bit more aloof, a little bit in the background as a character. But the more time that we spend with him, the more you kind of start to see this depth to him. He is trying to balance this polyamorous relationship which gets, it becomes kind of the butt of a joke a couple of times, but the more that you learn about it, the more that you kind of see that Max genuinely cares about all the people that he's in this relationship with. It's not a matter of preference. It's not a matter of trying to have some kind of machismo or, or ego boost. He's genuinely showing the love for the people in his life that he feels that they deserve. And it also comes into more of its own when we explore the relationship with him and Breen and with him and Jax as well, trying to slot into this father figure role with Jax as he's, he starts to kind of help Breen through her own relationship trauma and her most troubles. 
it's really interesting to watch Max kind of come into his own and kind of blossom as a fully caring person, especially as we go into the later events of season three, which which, which yeah, I cannot spoilers. comment on for legal purposes. <laughs> but yes, uh, Max definitely has a lot more background to him. And, and there's, I think you and I have talked about it, but there's even more stuff that I've got slotted for season four. Yes. Where, I, you know, mm-hmm. pull, I, I remember you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where um, you would like but, for him to go, and I'm I listen. You know, I'm little things that you know I say. You know where Max says, "Ask me about it later." Well, eventually someone's going to ask him about it later, and we're going to find out what what exactly what we're talking about. But you know, look for the throwaway lines because they're not throwaways Mm-mm. in any way, shape, or form. No, with this medium specifically, there is no line in the script that was not intended to be there. Pay very. Very close attention is all I have to say about season three. Um, yeah. And I think you know what I mean about that, too. Yeah, no, I'm aware of that one. Yep, that one. So going forward, you know, as I said, as I talked about season four. Yeah. Without spoiling what happens in season three, <laughs> where would you what would you like to see about Max in season four? I mean, going forward into season four, we've gotten to see a lot of that potential paternal figure between Max and Jax. We've gotten to see a lot more depth to the relationship between him and Breen. I would kind of like to see a little bit and more. Ha- and Haley as well. And Haley. Like, that's what I'm getting to, though, is I'd like to see more of yep. seeing Max, Haley, and Breen as their own unit, depending on how comfortable Breen is with that situation. I mean, it sounds like she doesn't. It's, she's open to it, but I would kind of like to see if that more of a family unit between the three of them grows. Mm-hmm. Is there any relationship that's going to develop between Haley and Jax as another potential parental figure? I have no idea, but it doesn't necessarily need to. Mm-hmm. But it's it's watching those bonds that Max has slowly cultivated grow and become more secure that I'm interested in seeing for him going forward into season four. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I originally envisioned max he was definitely much more of a bro than <laughs> than he ended up being and i think and i think that part of that was was due to both nick and uh and tom's portrayals uh, bringing him from that direction mm. but yeah i mean it's somewhere i think definitely somewhere um somewhere in t- season two max found his heart and i think oh. uh and that and that's where he's definitely going and you know and yeah, because you introduce him as a bro, as the bartender yep. who's who Breen is flirting with, exactly. his new boy toy. But then just exactly. even through the script, through the lines itself, you slowly see this genuine side to him that just kind of exactly. evolves over time. Listen, you can be a bro and still have a heart of gold, and I want that to be Max. Exactly. That's 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 where I, that's where he ended up being. But you know, as as the as um as Dell always says to to us, scratch deeper, scratch deeper, scratch deeper. Mess it up. Uh, at, throw gasoline, etc. But yeah, I, I I've been scratching deeper with all the characters, but but particularly with Max, and I know where I want to go with him, particularly with what happens in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, well, I'm excited. Whatever direction you put me. I'll go. I might, Great. as soon as we're done recording, I might stop recording and say, what the hell did you just do to my boy? That's but okay. That's, that, that, 
you you probably won't be the only one that does that. I might even do that. I mean, might even say that myself. I mean, can, you, know, <laughs> you know, again, this is not not making this about me, but it's going to be about me. Yeah, where I started the Jason character and where he even ended up in season two mm. was not where I was. You know, that just that whole Tommy crush thing just gave him, you know, gave him something to do. I had a trajectory for him, but I couldn't put him on that trajectory yet. Um, until, you know, until season three, four, uh, but that gave him something to do. And it actually made what I was planning on doing in subsequent seasons that much stronger because he's there. He is, you know, the eternal Boy Scout and will, you know, and, and will be there no matter what is asked of him and how much he's being made fun of. <laughs> Especially by Max. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's from a place of love. You know Max loves Jason. Jason knows that, and I think that's why he lets him do it. But but still, it's... <laughs> Yeah, to to outsiders, you'd think they hate each other. Oh, absolutely. Listen, I have that same dynamic with some of my own best friends. Of like, if you're an outsider looking in, you would think that we actively hate each other, but we know that we're okay with it. And it's just, it's because we're comfortable enough with each other to be able to say those kinds of things and to do those kinds of things. And it's fun. Exactly. I, I, I will say that I'd, I, I don't have that much in the way of Jason Max scenes for season three, but I, I, I do want to I do want to see a bit more in season four mm -hmm. to, to play that dynamic. Listen, let the characters speak to you. Let them tell you what they want to do. Exactly. But um, Sam, thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, to do this impromptu interview. Absolutely. Thank you so much for letting me speak. And for, and for let me and, jump into the role of Matt. Oh, I, one of the best decisions I ever made was to, was to cast you. So, uh, you know, don't let that go to your head for season four. No, nah, nah, my ego's already inflated. It's too late. Can't go back. But again, thank you again. And uh, we look forward to hearing you uh, in season three. All right. Thank you so much. I look forward to recording. <laughs>